The Weezer Bracket is brought to you by Andrew Jelks, offensive tackle for the New England Patriots. Andrew Jelks has perhaps one of the greatest careers in American football. He sat out his last two years of college for injuries, signed to the New England Patriots, sat out the entire year with an injury, and has a Super Bowl ring. So I went on Twitter today to look up Andrew Jelk, and there were no jokes about his last name. It's amazing that... That it could happen, especially since we talk about jelking so fucking much. Yeah, yeah, I don't think a lot of people follow us, especially like maybe Patriots fans. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, people generally should know about this easy to do home penis enlargement technique. Well, funny enough, I was texting Fidel earlier today and he did not know what jelking was. Because he, he just texted me, he's like, why are you guys making fun of Andrew Joke? And I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, people... Learn what joking is. Come on. And it's spelled with a Q, not a K, but, you know. Still. It's really funny this guy has this name. And it's more amazing that people apparently don't make fun of him for it. (laughs) We will. We absolutely will. I followed him on Twitter. All right. Let's get started. All right. Shout out to Andrew Jelks. Thank you for sponsoring us this week. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for cutting us in on your NFL paycheck. It is week six. Is it? Yeah. And we are still going. Yeah. And we are still amazingly finding things to discuss about this band. I'm Nick Robinson. And I'm Andrew Woods. And uh, a lot more Weezer content coming your way. First off, uh, I just want to apologize that we missed a week, but we are back this week. Somehow, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There has been a little Weezer news since the time we've last talked to you guys. We've got new Weezer songs, but not the ones that we thought we were going to get. No. They're covers of Toto. A little context. Uh, There's been this, this, like, 14-year-old girl from, like, Ohio, I believe, who's been started a social media account kind of asking Weezer to cover Africa by Toto for, like, the, the past six months. I think back since December. I, I I have no idea. It's kind of cut on a little bit. It's gotten more and more attention. Initially, they ignored it for a while. As they should. <laughs> but last Friday, they actually dropped a Toto cover, but it wasn't Africa. It was Rosanna, which I think is actually a better song. This morning, actually, this is a, t- a Tuesday morning, they dropped uh, Africa, finally. And it's whatever. Yeah. Anyhow, that happened. Yeah. Neither uh, one would make the bracket. The... Uh, black album might st- still possibly be coming i don't know what to believe anymore with this thing i tell you what like i didn't think it was coming out last friday it didn't i didn't but there was new weezer material uh rivers i think tweeted a cryptic tweet today saying a june 1st uh release date sounds good does to you doesn't it but he might be fucking around again I'll believe it when I see it. That might not even be something he wrote. He likes to sometimes just like copy and paste other people's tweets and like retweet them as his own to kind of screw with people. Plagiarism, I call that. (laughs) All right. You want to get into it? Let's do it. First round. Haunt you every day. Off of Make Believe.
verses, we are all on drugs. Off of Make Believe. you every day is once again the final song off of make believe correct and we've talked i know we've talked before about how on a lot of albums there's sort of an importance to final songs right well you especially have talked about that i think i think it's just like i kind of see like a narrative structure i I agree with you i agree with you yes it's basically it's like will this album stick the landing or not this one doesn't. No, no. Um, River is stuck a few endings perfectly with only in dreams, butterfly. After that, um, I would well, I would say actually say the Future Scrape t- trilogy is really good way to end. Everything will be all right yeah. in the end. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, in the mall is not a good one. December, December is especially not. I think a good there's one. another song after in the mall. There is, but who cares? Yeah. It's another it's another one not written by Rivers, and I'm sure it's on the bracket somewhere. Yeah. This song is just not memorable. And you know what? It's also not what? it's not scary. No. For a song called Haunt You Every Day, I expect it's gonna be like when Six Flags or Disney makes all their rides haunted. I thought this was gonna be the Weezer equivalent of that, where it is gonna be like, Oh, Pat's a ghost and Brian's a vampire now. It's not that scary. I've talked a lot about, like, with make-believe, a lot of the anticipation was I had read a lot of articles like Rolling Stone profiles and whatnot about how, once again, he was trying to like, write lyrics with real importance to them, with weight. Yeah. And, like, he was trying to comment on his nature. And you can kind of see him trying to do that with songs like Peace and Pardon Me yeah. and now this one. But this one really doesn't land. It really doesn't. And I think its sentiments are kind of gross. Yeah. Because, basically, he's kind of... In the narrative of the song, he has this relationship with a woman, and then he's like, you know what? I'm not having fun here. I'm fucking done. And you know what? I'm so fucking great that you're just going to think about me a whole lot. You're going to miss me, baby. This song also has one of the stupidest lyrics. Well, not one of the stupidest lyrics. <laughs> there's, a, there's a strong competition. But there is, when those stupid would learn, fire gonna burn. <laughs> so do you know the uh, origin of this song? Hit me with it. So Rick Rubin basically gave him a homework assignment. He asked him to write basically a piano ballad, sort of in the, the same vein as Elton John or Billy Joel. I can definitely see that. I actually think the piano intro is somewhat nice, yeah, even yeah. if it feels completely out of place on a Weezer record. Yeah. So, And I will also say, Rivers' vocals on this are pretty surprisingly good. Like, he's doing, he's stretching it out. He's doing things that you don't hear him do usually, and he's not bad at it. They're pretty good. He's, he's definitely going for it. He is going for it, but I think he gets there. Yeah. I can definitely tell this is more of a Billy Joel song. Oh, definitely. Even And, that, and that's fine. I know, I know I've heard him express his admiration for Billy Joel in the past. Well, who doesn't admire Billy Joel? I actually really like Billy Joel. I was listening to a little Billy Joel this week. 
It's funny. Uh, I think we're both on board with Billy Joel, and neither one of us comes from the East Coast. If I was in uh, New York City, I would totally go to like his monthly. Uh, I don't uh, think you can get tickets. I think those things is, are it, mega sold out. It sells out because like it's such a gr- it's such a great idea. Just like once a month, Billy Joel, because it's like the thing that you think like, well, who would go every month? But it's like, oh, it's for tourists though. I feel like you know, like it's for people who come in the city. It's like, oh, we'll go see Billy Joel and see Madison Square Garden, which is yeah. also sort of a tourist attraction. If I if I can't see Billy. Joel, I'll go see the Spongebob musical. <laughs> I don't know. This song just n- has never landed for me as a end of the album song. I mean, I don't think it lands for me no. at all. And this is another entry into a long list of songs that combine Weezer and producer Rick Rubin that sound absolutely nothing. Nothing, nothing like a Rick, Rick Rubin song at all. This might be the one that sounds the absolute least like a Rick Rubin song. Like, it's honestly, it feels like they kind of have some sort of inside bet going. How how far off can they get from their sound? You know what's really insane for me is, like, they work together on this album, and then they work together again on their Red album. Like, he, he, they thought this was a collaboration that needed to continue. And, like, I get wanting to work with Red, Rick Rubin, but it clearly wasn't producing any sort of results. I don't think you can judge that relationship sheerly on the output. Because, I mean, number one, having a positive work environment when you're doing this stuff, especially in a tumultuous business like the music business, is something so rare that you kind of have to hold on to it. Yeah. I mean, if if you have something that works, that's why Weezer has only really worked with a handful of producers. You know, that's why Rick Ocasek comes back. Yeah, I mean, that's he, why Switchknife Lee comes back. Yeah, he's been working more and more with different producers, like on the last few albums. He has, but I'm saying it's hard to find a really good producer. Yeah, especially one that can work with someone as, let's say, idiosyncratic as Rivers Cuomo. It's like you know, you and I are certain types of people. If we can find people who put up with us, you know, we kind of hold on to them. Yeah. And, you know, I also think it's like, it can also still be in the search, you know? Yeah. It's like Rivers knows that he and Rick Rubin can make a killer song together. It just hasn't happened yet. (laughs) But you know what? Okay, they only have like a dozen. Yeah. Like maybe the next one is it. It's like the slot machine. It's like, let's pull it. You know what? This one didn't come up, but I guarantee you the next one is it. Oh, it wasn't this one, but I'm due. I am due, baby. I don't think it came up also on uh, We Are All on Drugs. Did not. <laughs> I got to be honest. This is a strong contender. It's up there. I don't. Do you know what the most amazing thing about this song for me is? This was the second single. I remember this single being very big. And it was one of those times where you're just like, what is going on? Because like you, you for, the first time you hear is like, what the fuck? Weezer is singing about drug usage, and it does feel completely incongruous with what they've always been trying to do. But then you listen to it, you go, oh, okay, I get what he's doing. He's trying to say that everybody has something influencing some sort of addiction, whatever. He's making this surface level. He's doing like he's basically doing the like requiem for a dream. Yeah, where it's like everything's a drug. Everything's a drug. a drug, and it's like ooh, ooh, ooh. Wow. Do you have okay? Everything's a drug. Do you have anything to say about this? And like requiem for a dream, the answer is a resounding yeah. no. Re- yeah, requiem no. is just like. I- 
Look at the horrors of all this. There's nothing real to say. Oh, about. I thought you were going to get upset because I'm going to say Requiem is one of the massive, most massively overrated films of all fucking time. I like uh, Requiem just as like a, uh, an experience, but I, it doesn't really have much to say. It looks pretty and it's just like, oh man, diet pills are a drug. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You, it, they're amphetamines. They're great. Yeah. And basically, Rivers sings his song and basically he comes off like that feeling you get when you finish a brett easton ellis novel it's like okay that was kind of enjoyable but i really don't like how smug you are right no, now. no 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 it just doesn't really fit with the band and what the band has done before too it also feels like he it's also feels like someone who hasn't done drugs no. singing about drugs and i'm i think rivers has experiments i can't say one way or the other i was reading a lot of like interviews about this song like doing research for it this week and there's a lot of moments like the band like like people like brian bell being like wow can we really do this can we like release a song with a, with a title like we are all on drugs which is insane to me now like t- like it's insane to me it's like, like you are a rock and roll band can we sing about drug usage? Wow. It's like, that is what you are built on. That is what the this you ever music fucking, industry has built Have you ever on. fucking listened to the Velvet Underground's like heroin or something like that? <laughs> For fuck's sake. And like, I guess it's just like, because... Like, listen to every song in the 70s. <laughs> he sings about drugs the kind of way, like, when you were in high school, you talked about, like, what beer would be like. Yeah. When you actually had never drank a beer, but you kind of want to seem cool, you're like, yeah, I drank a beer, and I was so drunk, man. I did this. I did that. And it's like, then you have your first beer, and it's like, oh, okay, it's not like that. But there was some pushback, because there was an alternate version of this song. <laughs> if the song wasn't good enough, having two versions, <laughs> that was really going to convince people. There was the We Are All In Love version of this song. It's clear that that was an easy fix to get radio yeah. play and MTV play. But do you th- think they meant it as we, the band, are all in love? Or everybody is in love? I think it was general? like a universal sort of a feeling, like everyone is in love. The way that we are all on drugs is like a universal, like we're all on uh, drugs. I can tell you, uh, I do not have that universal feeling. No. God, this song's horrible. Like, it, it's just, it's mundane and just like, it drives me nuts. And it's funny, like, you just said that Rivers, at this point, was working with Rick Rubin and trying to write deeper songs. And I'm not sure, there may not be a more surface-level song that Rivers has ever written. Oh, no. This was, like, this was pretty bad. So This is one of those songs where if you scratch the surface, you would only find more surface. So we go back to December of 2005. Pitchfork releases uh, a list of the 15 worst songs of the year. And the first 14, you know, they have pretty lengthy write-ups on each song. You know, like, explain why this is a horrible song, why this sucks. Number 15, We Are All On Drugs. Do you want to know what they wrote? Yeah, let's hear it. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, for a site that has published lengthy, and especially unnecessarily lengthy reviews, Pitchfork was always at its best when it was just three words or that one the uh, black kids album yeah the black kids album where they just had the picture of the the sad puppy and saying i'm sorry uh i like the jet review that was just a link to a youtube video of a chimpanzee peeing oh in yeah in, the mouth. Pee in its mouth yeah did you see there was an article uh someone tried to track down a lot of those bands in the last few months and like see how it's aged with them 
Uh, yeah, that was an Amos Barshad article. Uh, it's really good. Well, the most amazing thing is like most of them are still bitter about that. Like they did not. I don't know if they were bitter. They just didn't feel like talking about it. Most of them did not feel like talking about it and bringing that that up. Funny enough, because a lot of them were mostly small bands we forgot about and the smallers. The one person he was able to get to talk to him about was Thurston Moore of Sonic Youth about like a uh, Thurston Moore solo album. Because I'm sure it's like also like Thurston Moore doesn't give a shit because he had a successful enough career. Thurston Moore is also pretty blasé about most things. Yeah. Do you remember the uh, review of uh, Make Believe, what they gave Make Believe? You, you told me this the other day and I don't remember. 0.4. It's still disturbing that that's not their lowest rated. No, it's amazing to me that Ratitude had a higher rating, but Ratitude has like a four three or something. Yeah, yeah, it's they were trying to make a point with that zero point four. They were, and and it's so weird to think about that era where online critics meant so much now. Yeah, I mean, even though that's kind of ostensibly what we're doing, like. There's no central music criticism website or anything. It's basically like the needle drop just because he was the pioneer of YouTube. It's like he's the only one who has any weight now. And even if he gives an album his not good rating, it doesn't seem to make a blip. There was a time back in the mid-aughts where uh, I know Best New Music from Pitchfork would yeah. mean like for like s- smaller bands, it could mean like a million dollars in like uh, tour revenue. Wow. Yeah, like basically I, that was it was huge for them for just like for getting people just to come out and see them. Now something will be called best new music and then you click through to the YouTube video and it's got yeah. like 3000 views. It's like Jesus. It does not have the power anymore. It's hard to get anybody to pay attention. Do you remember the uh music video for this? Vaguely. It's like just basically Rivers like going yeah, just, through it's just like him going throughout uh, throughout LA basically and just like people turning to them and just mouthing the lyrics to him. Effort. Yeah. It was another just... You have a music video. I guess you couldn't play it with the title, We Are All on Drugs, but... Or even We Are All in Love. It's like you can do a lot of stuff with that. Shockingly, though, this is a big hit on K-Rock. We don't need to revisit K-Rock discussion, (laughs) um, which is... This is like its third time it's come up. Well, because Weezer and K-Rock are like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, I mean, the fact that this song was such a hit, like, I I just don't know, I don't know who, like, gets really excited for the song, you know? Because it's like, the rock people, people who are into rock music, like, you have songs very much more about specific drugs if you want to be that edgy. People who like pop music, this is too much for them, just the sheer mention of the demon drugs, <laughs> you know? Weezer fans, this is one of the more reviled songs within... Oh, yeah, yeah, this is hated Weezer Weezer fans, yeah. I don't know who likes this. This is like that silent majority rock that... It's like... Bands like Creed and Nickelback uh, (laughs) occupy, where it's like no one is vocal about it, but they sell the records. I think it's just people who just want music on in the background. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially like K-Rock. It's like, But even then, it's like... This sold singles. This sold. Who like purchases this single? I that that has always confused me. Yeah, I mean, it is weird though. This is who calls K Rock and says, "Hey, can you play? I gotta hear that Weezer joint. Play it again and again and again." Well, it's weird because it follows Beverly Hills, which is a song I hate, but I can't deny that that song stuck a little bit more than this one. I can at least see the somewhat catchiness, and I can see like the sort of 
expressing a wish, like basically the I want song of a musical aspect to that. There are plenty of people all across the country who wish they could live in Beverly Hills. Yeah. And we are here to tell them, don't do that. <laughs> well, I don't know what you could choose as a second single. Actually, no, it should have been Perfect Situation. Yeah, it should have been Perfect Situation. Which, which was the third single. And which is the actual good song. Yeah, and people actually like that song. I actually remember that music video much better than this song. And yeah, like, and that's a fun song. Yeah. It's a fun. It, it has sounds a, like a Weezer song. It has a better melody. Yeah. It is a Weezer. You know what I'm saying? It's, it is just a Weezer song. Yeah. I don't know why this was chosen a, a second single over Perfect it got Situation. A, it got a huge push. Yeah. It was everywhere. And then people heard it. And the most common reaction was, this sounds like the Playground Diarrhea song. <laughs> Like, that was the big meme at the time, you know. What's the Playground? I don't remember the Playground Diarrhea song. Yes, you do. I can see that smile. You do. I don't. Yeah, you clearly do. I don't remember the Playground Diarrhea song. I'm, uh, I'm sure if you said it, sang it to me, I would remember it. I can remember, like, r- little things like the, the uh, Adams Family. Like, you know, like, Adams Family started when Gomez, Adams farted. You know, I remember that. I mean, I know, like, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. You know this because Chappelle did the, that bit. Okay. Where he was like, he's like, everyone's asking me to, you know, talk about social commentary and goes, here's what I want to do. And he had a choir singing it. Okay. When you're... <laughs> when you're sliding into furs and your pants begin to burst, that's diarrhea. I don't know this diarrhea. song. You, what? No, I don't know this. This is like the playground staple. And this, and is, also, and this is what sounds like perfect situation sounds like? No, it sounds like we are all on drugs. Oh, we are all on drugs sounds like it. Yes. Okay. I guess I can hear that now. Like, like from the melody you were doing, you were humming there. Yeah. I mean, these, this is one of those songs that the lyrics were different everywhere, but like, like when yeah. you're sliding in the first and your pants begin to burst, it's diary, diary. I can't fucking believe we're doing this. When you're sliding into two and your pants are filled with goo, that's diarrhea, diarrhea. <laughs> We are all on drugs. Yeah, right, it's like when you're sitting with your friends in your new Mercedes Benz. Diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, okay. That was a very popular thing at the time. Okay. That, especially those who are not age appropriate for the diarrhea song. They're, they're like, oh, this sounds like this from second or third grade or whatever. Okay, now. We've talked about diarrhea. A lot. I think it's time to vote. Thank God. I'm voting for We Are All On Drugs. I don't like Haunt You Every Day. I think it's a bad song. But you know what? I don't hate it as much as We Are All On Drugs. Haunt You Every Day is a really bad song. I really hate it musically. Yeah. I really hate the message. We Are All On Drugs is a song so bad, I had to just mention diarrhea 14 fucking times <laughs> on this podcast yeah. that I... Despite having you on it, I try to keep somewhat classy. <laughs> we Are All in Drugs was a real watershed moment. It marked a turning point for the perception of the band. It did a lot of bad things. I have to go with it. Okay. I think that means We Are All on Drugs progresses. We need to be all on drugs to listen to it. All right. On to the next one. Freak Me Out. Off of make believe. Man, you really freak me out. I'm so afraid of you. And when I lose my cool, I don't know what to do. I know you don't mean no harm. You're just doing your thing. But man, you really 
Versus Thought I Knew. Off of Weezer, the Red Album. You know, I kind of like Freak Me Out. It's certainly not the worst song. It's not the worst. Any, any. It's one of the weirder songs they've re- recorded. Though. Oh, it's a total departure from anything they've done before. Uh, it sounds kind of like they're... Yeah, it's weird. It has like this kind of like... The guitar sounds like raindrops. Yeah. Like it kind of feels like a Bonnie Bear album. Yeah, it does a little bit, actually. It's got kind of that weird melodic sort of like... That melodic but kind of nature influenced you know it almost sounds like a nursery rhyme at times i can see that yeah yeah well brian bell claims it's written about a spider but brian bell didn't write it i know <laughs> but i always think about that because like when i hear it with like the rain i think of like um oh itsy bitsy itsy bitsy, spider. Itsy bitsy <laughs> spider i mean it doesn't sound anything like it itsy bitsy spider but with like with the kind of weird like rain pitter patter throughout the song it makes me think of itsy bitsy spider as funny as it is i can totally see rivers being (laughs) itsy bitsy spider (laughs) i don't know if anyone's ever before said it could be influenced by itsy bitsy spider we're on record now yeah i don't know the harmonics in it are pretty interesting it's nice to listen to, but it yeah. just doesn't feel like it was a it, Weezer song at all. It doesn't feel like it goes anywhere. That's true. It's like he's writing it about some stranger he encounters, but he kind of can't handle it, and we don't know why. And he do- it doesn't feel like he actually feels physically threatened. No. But it's not like Rivers to like be kind of threatened by others' acts and ideologies, no. let's say. No, no, no. If you go on on websites to look up the lyrics and stuff, you can find some really uh, racist comments, uh, which is... I mean, we know the internet is basically a comment, uh, is a factory for racist comments, but I was not expecting them to be in Weezer lyrics comments. <laughs> I guess you can find those anywhere, no matter what. Yeah, on the internet. no, they're everywhere. I remember when this album came out, I, I was in, really intrigued by this song the first time. Because it is so different than every other Weezer song ever made before this. And I, I think I liked it initially. I think my, my taste on it has waned a little bit since then. I think, yeah, it just doesn't play. It's really lethargic. It doesn't really have any forward energy. It just kind of like happens. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's muddled. And it just doesn't have any sort of clear kind of thesis about what is freaking him out or what he's going to do with it. Because he talks about like avoiding the person or just buying them a drink. And I kind of can't see Rivers just kind of like, hey, bub, let me get you a cold one. You, know, you can't imagine like just buying someone a beer? Yeah. You think, can you imagine? Well, he's sang about beer enough before, I guess. I mean, yes, but I mean, a lot of times it was, you know, about emotional traumas and all this other stuff. But it, Rivers just doesn't seem like a guy who's hanging out at a bar. No. <laughs> you know? No, I don't like Hey, buddy, come down it. here. Let's get a couple cold ones and let's hash this out, you know? Especially during this period, especially like right before Make Believe. I've heard them talk about like Rivers was like living in this apartment above Sunset where he had like nothing in it. He had like, <laughs> he had, like a toothbrush and like a yoga mat and like a bar of soap. Jesus. Yeah, he's like living like this very, you know, kind of like bare essentials lifestyle. 
a kind of a minimalistic sort of thing. Yeah, I can't imagine like Rivers being like the best bar bar like <laughs> buddy during this period. Yeah, um, I don't think he likes to really get drunk and talk shit. No, I don't think he'd ever want to like go watch like the Vegas Golden Knights play, <laughs> the greatest hockey team of all time. Yeah. He loves soccer. He does love soccer, so I'm sure. He... Oh, so I guess he, if he saw it as ice soccer, yeah, he could. God, soccer sucks, man. I don't get it, man. <laughs> Rivers is such an interesting person. Soccer is like the least interesting thing you can be interested I in. I mean, he's a huge soccer person. The whole reason, like right before Pinkerton, where he had the uh, surgery because you know he was born with kind of a slight defect, where his one leg was like two inches shorter than the other. <laughs> he had it extended basically just so he could play soccer more. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, that was the whole reason, basically, for that surgery. I would say, like, walking around normally or I mean, I, I, but stairs, I, I imagine, I, were tough. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a slight hiccup, but I think the main reason was it just for, for soccer, I've heard him say. Like, so is he, like, following all, like, whatever soccer tournament's going on then? Well, the World Cup's this year. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> the big one. Yeah. I'm sure, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. It has all, it has like follow, Pele yeah. and all them in it. I went and saw, so, you know, I went to see uh, Rivers Cuomo solo a few, like about a month and a half, two months ago, and they were selling this one shirt, and it was basically just like, almost like a soccer shirt. You know, it had like a Rivers Cuomo, on, it was like a sports shirt with a Rivers Cuomo on the back and his number, but I think. Oh, what was his number? I want to say zero, I forget though. Oh, that's not that fun. Yeah, it's Kevin Love's number. Oh, it should have been 69. <laughs> <laughs> so there is one line in here that really sticks out to me. What is it? Uh, yes, everyone is my friend. I can think of someone who is not his friend, and that is Matt, Matt Sharp. Sharp. <laughs> Actually, I think they're fine. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure. He, 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 you yeah. just want to play Matt Sharp bingo. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we have to mention Matt Sharp every, every time out. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think Matt Sharp thinks of Thought I Knew? I don't know. I don't know if they've played it in a Panera Bread. I, I don't think he's probably ever heard Thought I Knew. I don't know. I kind of think he's listened to all of it. Yeah. He might... Well, well, here's the thing. Thought I Knew is a Brian Bell song, right? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. And, like, not only is Thought I Knew on the Red album, but there is another version on the first Relationship album. Have you actually listened to that album? Uh, not the album. I've listened to that version of the song on the <laughs> album. Do you think, like, Brian Bell and, like, Matt Sharp still get along? Do you think there's any sort of relationship there? You know, it's weird. It's like, I've never heard about Matt Sharp's relationship with any of the other members. No, no, you just think about him and Rivers. Like, do, do they and Pat, like, bro out? I have no idea. Dude, so I was, I was, I found this, like, oral history of Weezer. Have you ever heard why Jason Cropper, like, left the band initially? No. This is weird. So apparently, like, he had a girlfriend, and she got pregnant, and this really weirded Rivers out. Like... Like, Why just, is her stomach expanding? I don't know Are what it was, but I guess, like, I, best, I guess at first he tried to like cool with it, and she would just sometimes come around to like you know the recording sessions and whatnot. And finally, Rivers is like, "Come on, man! I know I can't do this anymore." And just, he was so weirded out that he basically kicked Cropper out of the band. Okay, I can totally see why, though. Because Rivers is one of those guys who's read all the rock histories, and he's read about like you know before they were famous, their bands that started, and it's like. Oh, someone's got pregnant. They couldn't tour as much, and that really held the band down. I'm sure he is, was fearful of all those legacy impacts. I can see that, and I thought about that, but I think there's also just something weirdly off-kilter about Rivers where this just disturbed him. 
like a pregnant woman, like because he, he, he's been in his early twenties, and just this, I don't know. I like the idea of him just being like horrified by the process of like her stomach is growing. What is going on? He, he's got two children now, so clearly, he clearly he's, <laughs> he's clearly he's had gone through the process on his own, and like it has a more intimate like relationship with the, it. So he wouldn't disturb him anymore. But I don't know. Rivers Cuomo was an odd guy. We keep touching on that point. <laughs> But anyhow, Fly I Knew is a Brian Bell song. It, like we say, it's the back half of uh, the Red Album. is mostly from, written by the other half of the band, or the other three-fourths of the band. The, uh, all right, you guys do one. Fine. See how good you are. See how good you are. <laughs> Part of the record. I had forgotten about this song until we re- re- listened to it recently. It is bad. It's very bad. It's weird because it's an originally a relationship song. We listen to it. There's not that much compelling about it as a relationship song. So maybe Brian thought I knew was a near miss. Yeah. That is almost there. And maybe the relationship wasn't the band to do it. Let's make it a Weezer song. So he switches up the key to become a major key, which is yeah. like a really weird process. Yeah. And then he still records the vocals himself. <laughs> and like I don't, he, I think he was really kind of against the song being on the red album, and I think it's kind of maybe because of changing it from the minor to the major. And I think it's I just, think he also just kind of knew like, hey, this is still not working. Yeah, and like, do you find his vocals really grating on this song, or is it just me? He kind of has that like kind of mid '90s sound yeah. to it, where he sounds like, um, like Eagle Eye Cherry or like that. Uh, How Bizarre song. It sounds like a real mid-90s, like kind of like Runaway Train sort of song. To me, his vocals sound really nasally at times during this song. Sorry. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds like one of those guys who was trying to be Soundgarden. Yeah. Like, there, there's that whole wave of them. And it feels like you could just take this song, put that in that whole, like, alt-90s catalog, and it would just fit in perfectly. You wouldn't bat an eye. When it's a Weezer song, it sticks out like a sore thumb. And when it comes out in like 2008 or whatever. Yeah. Well, because then it was on like the Relationship album, which is like two years later, I think. That album came in 2010, I would I want to say. And it's pretty different. You, you've heard it, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty different, but it's still like it's not, it's good. not great. It's you not know? good, no. This is another song featuring the bizarro Weezer lineup. Because Pat is doing the guitar. Is, is uh, Rivers on drums? On percussion, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, okay, you're switching it up. We're going to redo this song. We're going to make it better. What are we going to do? We're going to get Pat Wilson on guitar. Oh, that famous Pat Wilson. Those famous Pat Wilson licks, man. I believe if you were following us on Twitter this week, I uh, I posted a, fa- a video of Pat Wilson on jaywalking, Jay Leno's famous segment, where he was looking for people to pretend to be Elvis. This is also, if you notice, this is also when Weezer was on that hiatus between um, Pinkerton and uh, Green. So oh, it, is that early? Yeah. This is when they weren't sure. Like, I don't know if he was aware if the band was going to come back or not. You know what I'm because saying? Because Jay yeah. Leno definitely seems like he has never heard of the band. Because, <laughs> like, even, like, actually, if you listen, Pat says that he was in Weezer in the past tense. You know what I'm saying? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So I think he thought the band was done. Because he's like, we were almost on your show. Yeah, and I really wanted to know what weird booking thing happened to where that that didn't happen. Yeah, I could see it being during Pinkerton, and like it was after like basically it flopped, and the yeah. and the record company just basically pulled all promotion. You're probably right. Yeah. 
But they kept that jaywalking promotion. <laughs> that wasn't promotion. I think they just randomly, he came up on Pat Wilson and he ended up on jaywalking. Why did you go along? Number one, why do you go along with this if you are anybody? But number two, why do you go along with it if you're Pat Wilson and you, you're like worried about your music career? Well, because jaywalking is always trying to like make look people look like idiots. Yeah, and it's like he knows that. I mean, he's lived in Los Angeles. He he know he probably has he has friends in the entertainment. Yeah. Like he kind of knows like this is an edit. I mean, anybody with a fucking brain knew that's like this is highly manipulated and it's like they interview 40 people to get one dumb person and yeah. then they make them look like a complete idiot. He he comes away looking fine. You know what yeah, I'm saying? He looks fine. Yeah, he's he's he plays along with it. He the seems bit. self-aware, and yeah, yeah, he's totally fine with it. But this song is just horrible. It's also weird because this is one of the rare Weezer songs where the woman is a bad actor. Like, she's a liar. She's betraying the guy. I mean, as much as you can tell what well, happened from this song. Cause it's, well, it's because it's not a Rivers song. Right, but Rivers is still has some amount of control over what's going on this album. I know. He's not giving them carte blanche. I know, I know. I'm just saying, like, it, it does come from a different POV, though, and the, and the lyrics are going to be a little different than normal. I understand that, but this seems like, you know, heartbreak and longing and those sort of sorts of things are the central construct of Weezer. Being betrayed by a woman, I can't think of anything, of any song offhand that portrays that. That's true. Hey, can I tell my, my favorite Brian Bell story from recently? Let's do it. Because I went, so I, as I mentioned before multiple times on this podcast, I recently saw Rivers do that acoustic set. At one point, he goes, can someone go get my phone? Because he had left his uh, uh, phone in the green room. So they go and get it to him. He's like, I just want to read this text that I got from Brian. And he reads this long text from Brian, basically tell him, telling him why he can't make this show or come see him. And it's because he's going to be in a weekend-long uh, improv uh, shop. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Brian Bell's in like his mid forties to mid to late forties, taking part in a weekend long improv shop. Oh, you are a successful guitarist. Yeah, you have, you know, your touring money. You have all this. You have um, why? Why? What? What is missing in your life to where you need to do improv comedy? He's just like indulging in his whims at this point, probably. I understand that, but it's 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 one thing if you are some jackass mid-20s person who wants to be on SNL yeah, and thinks that, you know, oh, I'm going to play a barber and I'm going to make jokes about the blue stuff and all that fucking shit. Like, how you can be so delusional to think that's going to get you anywhere. Yeah, You are a rock guitarist, a successful one. You've beaten the odds. Why, why do you need to go? It's like, oh, me and my troop. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna well it's not even his like it's not even his like improv troupe it's just that some random class i think he took one weekend I, i'm sure but like i'm sure like he's finding a troupe and it's like they're gonna go and i kind of feel like he probably never did anything with that after after that in the month and a half um, probably i just feel like that was just a kind of a one weekend thing he thought would be an experience if his troupe does have a show we have to go yeah <laughs> we definitely do I would go see him, like, I would go totally see Brian Bell do improv comedy. You know what I would not go do? What? Go see the relationships they play, I thought I knew. <laughs> I mean, are they still together, even? I think so. I mean, who I think the- it's just a side project that he just, yeah. You know, I think it's kind of like, like the rentals where, you know, like Matt Sharp can just, like, you know, 
bring it back. It doesn't you don't need for original members or whatnot. <laughs> the rentals especially. You know, I don't think Maya Rudolph's coming. Well, Maya Rudolph wasn't even one of the original members of the rentals. No, I think he has one member still. Yeah. From the original lineup, and that's it. Anyhow, uh, you want to vote? Yeah. I think this one's easy. I think, yeah. I'm voting for Thought I Knew. You know what? I thought I knew that you would vote for that. And I thought I knew you'd vote for that, too. God. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Thought I knew wins. Thought I knew does win. <laughs> Round three. Hang on. Off of Hurley. Versus Simple Pages. Off of Weezer. The Green Album. So I think a lot of people are really going to be surprised to see Simple Pages on yeah. the bracket. Did you put it on here? I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, because I don't. I would never put it on here. So Simple Pages, Simple Pages, I feel is like the fried pickles of Weezer. Can you expand on that a little bit? Every time you go somewhere and you you go and you decide to get the appetizer and you order fried pickles, you think they're going to be great. You're going to get five of them. You're going to dip them in ranch. You're going to have a great old time. Okay. You're going to eat one and a half of them. And then the rest of them, the four and a half, the three and a half are just going to stare you down. And you're going to feel regret and you're going to feel, oh, I shouldn't do this again. And then about six months later, you're out at your TGI Fridays, and you're like, you know what? Let's kick this off with some fried pickles. That's interesting. Uh, I think that it would be more for, like fried macaroni and cheese for me. Okay, well, yeah, maybe for you. Though I'd probably eat the whole thing and feel like shit. Okay. <laughs> um, what I'm getting at is like every time like Simple Pages comes on, it's like, oh, yeah, give me some love. Give me, you know, I kind of get into it. Yeah. And then I'm bored out of my skull. Well, that's because that's all it is. It's all it is. It's just a little front-loaded, and it's a fun little riff. But I don't think he really does anything with it. No. And I think this kind of comes where it, it's at the later half of the Green album, and things are kind of starting to fall apart in this way. Well, I think it's like, can you go back to the first time you listened to the Green album? Yeah. What did you think? I, I, I was pretty high on it. Well, I think the thing is, like, when it first came out, everyone reacted very, like, they were still in love with Weezer. And it's like that thing, that first time you saw Star Wars The Phantom Menace, where you wanted to love it. Yeah. You really wanted to love it. So you got out, and I think you, the first time you listened to it, you knew something was off. Oh, definitely. It's like, it's like this is weird. But you tried to convince yourself that it wasn't off. Yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah, so you're just play, you're just doing like mental gymnastics to convince yourself that you like it more than you do. It's clearly the problem is I don't get something that's going on. There's yeah. something more here that I'm just not seeing, and I'm sure on many repeats that it'll come to me. It will reveal itself to me, yes. I think then the problem with Green is that you realize it's about as simple as can be. Yeah, there is like... There's nothing to reveal itself. You just have to meet all those songs on at face value 
and you're either in or you're out. And there's no real development that's going to happen. No, there's no like emotion to it. There's no like there's not there's not layers. Yeah. This is not parfait. <laughs> yeah, this seems like a song that was just like in the studio. He kind of starts this riff. He kind of starts this. Yeah, give me some love. Give me some love. You know, and, and do that doing this doing this repeat thing, and then just kind of builds out the song. Yeah, and they record it, and he goes, "Oh, that was pretty fun," and it seems fun. And then it's like it's three and a half minutes long. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 this almost even like two minutes long. I'd probably like it a little bit more. Yeah, and it's or just if it did something else, and it's just like the break into the uh, the hook, the hook it just kind of slows down and goes to this line of you know simple pages on my mind, and you know what? All these years later. Yeah. I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. That's a good question. I've never really even thought about it. I, I yeah. I, is he talking about being paged? Because this is kind of in that era where people used pagers. No, I think... Is I've it always, talk about, I, I, like, I'm pages of his diary? Books, oh, yeah. I think it's or just book, simple yeah. books. Simple pages on my mind. Is he thinking about children's books? Is he, you know, is he having a YA relationship? Like, what is going on? He's not thinking about like Dostoevsky or anything like that. I don't think he's not thinking about a technical manual. He's not know? thinking of Russian literature. James yeah. Joyce, no. And it's like, girl, you make me think about books. That's maybe the one of the worst insults I've ever heard. <laughs> you are not an academic, apparently. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, you compare your lover to the sky, or you know, beautiful scenes of nature. It's like. Yeah, baby, you make me think of a book where I go alone and read it for a couple Ooh, baby, hours. Baby, you make me think of green eggs and ham. <laughs> <laughs> one fish, two fish, blue fish. Red yeah. fish, blue fish, sorry. Baby, you remind me of one of those Michael Crichton books that everybody read and promptly forgot about. Dude, Michael Crichton books would not make sense for this because there's so much technical jargon in those oh, books. Oh, that's true. That, 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 that it would not make sense for that. You can say what about what plot-wise, like Michael Crichton, but like the technical jargon he would shove in those books yeah. just made them like unreadable to me. Baby, you're a real Dean Koontz. <laughs> That's probably more apt. Whatever happened to that guy? Did he die or something? No, Dean Koontz is still alive. Because like he was like the biggest thing. I remember everybody having those books. Well, Dean Koontz was always like you know second-rate Stephen King, basically. Right, but everyone had those books for like like two years, and then like I haven't seen one since. Yeah, I, I just. I, even when I was young, I knew Dean Koontz was not good. Like, he was just bad Stephen King. I mean, I haven't re- read him, so I don't know. But I just remember, like, that being a trend. Yeah. Trends I know about. But speaking of trends, we have Hang On, which features <laughs> Michael Sarah on mandolin. And backing vocals. Yeah, but the mandolin and Michael Sarah just kind of really remind me of, like, that kind of, like, 2007 era. You know, I mean, I think you think of the 2007 era, and you think you actually do think of Michael Sarah a lot. You think of Michael Sarah, and it's like, oh, everyone's learning the mandolin before they went on to learn the ukulele. People were learning to learn the ukulele before the mandolin because the ukulele is so easy to learn. Uh, yeah, but it's you know, you think of 2007, it's like, oh, wait, the girl with the bangs plays the ukulele. Oh my, I never, you know. <laughs> So this song has a lot of things going on. Part of that is because it is co-written by Rick Knowles, who wrote with Stevie Nicks, Joan Jett. He co-wrote Heaven is a Place on Earth with Belinda Carlisle. 
He has also written for Madonna, InSync, Ace of Base, Mel C, KD Lang, Jewel, Cher, Jerry Hollowell, Rod Stewart, Santana, Texas, Sia, John Legend, CeeLo, Keith Urban, Lana Del Rey. From the beginning, he was early adopter. Marina and the Diamonds, Jamie XX, Foxes, FKA Twigs, Dua Lipa, and one man that means a whole lot to us. Celine Dion? No. He co-wrote with LFO. Oh, shit. (laughs) He did not co-write Summer Girls, their big hit, but he knew the legend Rich Cronin. Rich Cronin, one of my favorite human beings. Rest in peace, Rich Cronin. We are always thinking of you. Your Howard Stern interview has gotten me through so many sleepless nights. (laughs) I really can't think of an interview I have listened to more than the Rich Cronin Howard Stern interview. If you guys have any interest in, any, in anything that's amazing, <laughs> you need to go track down that the Howard Stern Rich Cronin interview right now. It's on this uh, website. Let me give it to you. www.youtube.com. Type it in. Y-O-U, not you. And then type it in there and you, it'll bring it up and set aside an hour because it's pretty fantastic. If you ever wanted to hear about Rich Cronin's like run-ins with a little man named Lou Pearlman, <laughs> give it a listen. Rick Knowles has written a lot of songs. <laughs> a lot of amazing songs. With Celine Dion. He has written some amazing songs with Celine Dion, a wonderful woman that we all idolized. I definitely do. But hang on, didn't really uh, do as well as uh, some of those old songs. No, it's not as big of a song as like, Heaven is a place on earth. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Hang On is definitely not as big of a song as Heaven is a place on earth. <laughs> you don't hear Hang On in the supermarket. You don't hear it while on hold. It's a really weird Weezer song. Do you know the second single off that album? Really? Yeah. I'm guessing this did not track well as a single. No, not at all. Can't imagine them trying to push this to radio. I mean, I thought it was kind of a uh, DOA album. Yeah. I mean, everyone had the Hurley, thought the brand Hurley had paid for the album due to, I think, Pat's comments. What was a weird album that just kind of dropped one? You know what I'm saying? There was like no buildup to it, really. Pat had made those comments that, yeah, we came up with the idea of of calling it Hurley. And then Hurley, the clothing brand, had paid for it. And everyone just thought they were just like in the pockets of big Hurley. And then they put... Jorge Garcia on the cover to just turn into the skid. Well, another weird thing about it is that since Memories was the first single and it was um, tied to the Jackass 3D soundtrack, it, it seemed like it was written for the soundtrack instead of being an actual first single. Yeah. It's weird. So basically you have these allegations of selling out to Hurley, to Big Hurley, and to Big Jackass. <laughs> it seemed like this thing was compromised from the get-go. Weezer's never really had like a problem with selling out. I don't know, because they've done so many weird experiments that people dubbed sell, to be selling out, but they were never, like, good. I don't think Rivers cares that much about money. I mean, I think he's definitely set up. I mean... Like, he's set up, but everything I've heard about him, he has a pretty minimalistic life. Yeah. And, like, so I, I don't think it, that really matters that much to him. He's definitely not trying to become rich. I yeah. think he's trying to become... I think he's always trying to be relevant. Yeah. And... Popular. I think he wants to be popular. Yeah, I think I think he always just wants to be able to continue. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think he always wants the band to be able to continue releasing albums that have get semi somewhat uh, attention. 
weirdly enough, they've been like more relevant in the past week than they have in a while, I feel like, <laughs> because of a joke, because of a meme, which is, I guess is everything. Which is uh, odd because like that's where everything's going now. We and- kind of joked about that, but they kind of played that meme perfectly. You know what I'm saying? They could have instantly just done it and gotten over with and gotten like, but the fact that they took forever to do it and then they, they're doing um, Rosanna first like was kind of a wonderful troll. Yeah, I I was I was over the moon. In fact, I liked it less when they actually did to, uh, Africa. Yeah, River Sasso just wants to please people. Yeah, but also Rosanna is just so much more set up for Weezer to cover. Yeah, like it's more in their range, and like they can play with it a little more. Even though they didn't, it's pretty straight up. Yeah, they're both pretty straight up covers. They don't yeah. play with anything. Africa has just become like kind of such a meme in it in and of itself. It's yeah. just something that people just keep referencing both as a joke and then it's like kind of in that weird Bon Jovi hang on thing where it's like this is now the song from 20 years ago that everybody loves. Hang on. Hold on. Fuck. It's the name of the song we're doing right now. Oh. <laughs> That's why I got confused. Yeah. But you know, just some sometimes those retro songs just become so in vogue and Africa did that for a while. Yeah. But you know, just some, sometimes those retro songs just become so in vogue and Africa did that for a while. Yeah. And so I'm fucking tired of Africa. I got, I'm going to say it. Fuck Africa. man. Oh no, don't <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> Roseanne was like a, just as big as a hit during the eighties though. Back in it? the day. Yeah. yeah. It might've even been more. Isn't it, it is, about, isn't it about Roseanne Arquette? Oh God, I have no idea. I think I saw that. Like I was watching, like back in like you know, fifteen years ago, I watched. Uh, you know, I love the eighties, and I saw that. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Like she was like the hottest thing at the time. Yeah, Rosanna's just a better song. I'm, I gotta say it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But I, mean, I will also I say, talk, I will also say that Rosanna is a better song than Hang On, which we are not talking about. <laughs> I kind of want to talk a little bit more about Michael Sarah doing the mandolin. <laughs> what? Because I want to talk about M- Michael Sarah during that period. Because Michael Sarah was kind of, Michael Sarah was almost too cool for Weezer during that period. Yes, but he was also that kind of too cool where he is like aggressively annoying. Yeah, I know he was a huge Weezer fan growing up. Like I know him and like Clark Duke had like a cover band where they just played the entirety of Pinkerton. Oh God. Yeah, and I know he was a huge like Weezer fan, so I'm sure this was a huge thing for him. I just want to imagine what conversations between Michael Sarah and Rivers Cuomo were like. I don't think they were probably the most overly verbal conversations. <laughs> I don't, I can't imagine having any like conversation with Rivers that goes on and on. Yeah, no, he's definitely not talking your ear off. He's a concise person. Yeah. I'm sure they, yeah, they're very one-sided conversations. Like, yeah. Who connected them? It was probably just someone. That's a good question. And it just doesn't seem like something that Rivers would, just sign off on so quickly like there's some, there had to be some way that michael sarah charmed rivers cuomo to allow this to happen i'm trying to think i'm trying to think if i can figure anything out right now I mean, it's probably just the agencies or something like that yeah this would have been right around the time of uh, nick and Nora's infinite playlist oh god yeah i saw that movie i saw that movie on a date <laughs> how'd that go she was my girlfriend at the time so it was fine and she saw nick and Nora's and didn't break it off so i guess it was okay not for a long time after that <laughs> All right, you want to vote? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm going to vote for Hang On. 
Oh, I'm voting for Simple Pages. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I guess. I mean, I think. Look, I we didn't talk so much about it, but Hang On, I think, is at least like fun musically. It's a dis- decent experiment. The content of the song is about this couple. They break up and kind of get back together, and he's at the point where he's like, "Yeah, just wait a little bit. We'll be back together." Um, Your problem with Simple Pages? There's nothing there. Yeah, yeah. There's no story there. It, we can't even figure out what Simple Pages means, and. I think actually this kind of the story in Hang On is kind of somewhat classic Weezer. I think I might be gearing towards the side of nostalgia. Like I just always like simple pages and it's always been there and I, I can't. Yeah, I think I don't have that much of a defense against it other than I'm voting because I just, yeah. All right. So I guess we have to call. We got to call. Let's see what Fidel's up to. <laughs> All right, let's do this. This getting old. <laughs> You know, I beg to be on the show and then give you every chance in the world. Your call has God been forwarded to an automatic voice. Christ. All right. Uh, let's call. Let's just call. Let's call John Handel. Hi, this is John Handel. I can't come to the phone right now, but please leave your name and number. You want to leave a message? Uh, or and no? I will get back to you as soon as I sure, can. Sure, right. Thanks, bye. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hi, John. Uh, this is Andrew. We're calling you for the podcast. We want your uh, opinion on two Weezer songs. Right. Two, I know you know. You know simple pages and you know hang on. But anyhow... Uh, you missed a chance. Yeah, you could have had some good Michael Sarah talk. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably call you again some other time. See you, dude. Crap. All right. Trying to Joe John. Hello? Hey! hey Joe John! Hey, you're, hey. On the po- you're on the podcast. What's up? What's up? Not much. <laughs> uh, so we're, uh, we're uh, divided between two Weezer songs again. Do you want to know which ones they are? Um, I can't remember what you guys had up for this week. So we have, uh, right now we're stuck between Hang On off of Hurley. Do you remember this song? Yes. And Simple Pages off of Green. Well, I mean, I like Simple Pages a lot. <laughs> um, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the, um, sorry, the, uh, what do you call it, the a little... The metal intro, I think yeah. he's... I, w- I like that, too, a lot. Influence off a little bit with that. Yeah. Did when, you, when's the last time you listened to Simple Pages, though? Let me just ask that. Um, Just the other day, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Honestly, that destroys my argument. What? That you destroys, think people don't listen to it? I think it's one of those songs that gets better the farther away from having actually listened to it. I don't think it's very good. I mean, <laughs> It's fine, comparatively between those two. Hey, Joe John, um, did you know that? Uh, did you know that Michael Sarah plays the mandolin on Hang On? Yes, I did. And I just, <laughs> I just learned, but I learned that recently, though. Yeah. TD is my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's all we wanted to know. Yeah. Uh, shout right. out, we, Joe John's the one. Joe John's the wedding we record. We attended that was lightly Weezer themed. So. Thank you for inviting us to it, Joe John. <laughs> well, thanks for coming and having a good time. Yeah, yeah we did. All right. Thanks for uh, taking a call at 1030 at night right now. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank, thanks, man. You have a good okay. night. All right. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Later.
All right, so there you go. Uh, simple pages. Or, or no, no, yeah. Hang, hang on. Hang on, we'll yeah, be yeah. moving on. Hang yeah. on, we'll be moving on. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, thank you, Joe John. Thank you, Joe John, for taking our call. All right, bye. Bye. Round four. Ruling me. Off of Hurley. Pardon me. Off of make believe. So I apologize to you and to anyone else that I hurt too. I may not be a perfect soul, but I can learn self-control. got the me round this round is all about me 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 what that's what everyone's been waiting for (laughs) (laughs) these two powerhouse titans clashing at last my god what a spectacle to behold dude i gotta be honest with you we literally listened to rolling me like five minutes ago yeah i can't remember it (laughs) (laughs) well there might be a very good reason for that because it was co-written by Dan Wilson, who most people will know as the lead singer of Semisonic. Closing time. But he's actually become like a huge songwriter since then, right? Right. Uh, So basically, Semisonic had Closing Time, huge smash hit, and that was about it, you know? And apparently his songwriting was not the problem, because he's gone on to write other songs, but none of it is as interesting as describing him as the lead singer of Semisonic. No, I got, like, he wrote, like, he co-wrote, like, Someone Like You with by Adele. Yeah, I'd call that a super smash hit. Yeah. <laughs> like, the dude's had legit, like, credits since then. This is not, he has not had any kind of, like, a minuscule credit. I know, it's or, just... Yeah, it's funny. We should talk about, because Closing Time was a huge song. It's a fucking great song. It's a great song, yeah. And he did that thing where you find a niche and fill it. Because it's a good song for bars to play when they're kicking people yeah. out. It's a good song to play like at the end of like a baseball game. It's a good song to play at just the end of anything. It's also a song everyone knows. It is, yeah. Well, it's a very good song. Yeah, It's kind of weird because he's kind of a peer of R- Rivers and them. You know, those bands are were breaking around the same time, like... We, these are like three years before. I would say semi sonic, like like closing time. I, want, I always want to say it's like ninety seven, ninety six, ninety seven, somewhere. In there. Yeah. I want to say ninety seven. Yeah, we're picking on nineteen ninety seven this this episode. But so it's like you know, it's like a year after Pinkerton comes out, right? So around the same time, and they're like kind of probably the same, not the same scene. I would say, but you know, like, I wouldn't say the same scene. I think Weezer and Rivers are trying to be a rock band. Semi Sonic and Dan Wilson. We're just trying to explicitly be pop. I don't think they have the pretensions of saying we're a rock band, not a pop band. Well, it's band, weird because I think that year or two, two or three, if you count like the three years probably between like the Blue Album and that album, I feel like a huge shift in like what music became too, if that makes sense. Like popular music around that time. You would say that the world had turned and <laughs> left them there? Yeah. But it's like, I always think like Sonny Sonic more in the like... Um, kind of like third eye blind sort of oh 100 like, uh, percent. third yeah. eye blind like equal eye cherry like 
It, I wouldn't say eagle eye. Saves night, kind of by the break. Yeah, that, that stuff always kind of blends together with me. Not blends together, but I think of it around the same time. And like eagle eye was a couple years uh, earlier, but uh, no, I think of them in like that third eye blind. Um, Goo Goo Dolls. Do you know these bands? These were these are bigger VH1 bands than MTV bands. They, they were all bands that had guys with very short hair and is usually bleach blonde. Yeah. Yeah, and so it follows that ruling me is this like explicitly poppy, 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 poppy song. Yeah. It is not trying to hide any sort of, it's not trying to portray itself as a rock song at all. It's like, here's some poppy stuff. Here's some poppy melodies. Here's something that can try to get on the radio. But it just pushes by. Like, I am, you, you said it earlier. I'm kind of having trouble remembering how this song goes. Yeah, we literally listened to it like less than 10 minutes ago. I just remember it's like, oh, these are nice, but this is a song that fades into the background immediately. Like we just got on our computers and just kind of did stuff. It's it's a great song for a playlist. <laughs> yeah. Because you will not be judged on it. Well, no one's going to be no one's going to notice it. Exactly. That's that's what really great for like a work playlist or something like that. It's like no one's going to say, "Hey, you have shit music taste or you have good music taste." It's just going to be there. I realized you know what's a weird thing about this uh, this week's episode is it's significantly other than I think thought I knew. It's all make believe or Hurley songs. Oh, I guess we should have thought that through a little better. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting though. This is it's been this it's been a heavy like. I'm it, sorry, but the bracket is heavy on. Late period Weezer songs. <laughs> yes. It is heavy on make believe songs. It's heavy on red songs. It's heavy on ratitude songs. Yeah. It's heavy on Hurley songs. These songs are going to have to clash eventually. And like, yeah. It's just how this is going to work out. Ruling me, it just seems like it should stick out more because he's saying stuff about like, we first met in the lunchroom. My ocular nerve went pop zoom. That's such a deliberate lyric. It's so. That's like the one. That's, that is the one line that sticks out. It's almost kind of bad in the sense that it sticks out from the rest of that song, which just feels like background music. But I mean, it's still, it's still something you notice from it. But then, even then, it's like if you were to compile a list of like really weird Weezer lyrics, like you wouldn't list it because you would fucking forget that it exists. You know, he actually, um, Dan Wilson's also a co-writer on California Kids, though. That song's pretty That's good. That's a pretty good song. It's yeah. a good song, actually, yeah. That is a much better con- collaboration than this one. It's another Weezer song that's about an unrequited crush. I mean, that's kind of his go-to. Yeah. I mean, it is both of their go-tos. But uh, when it's coming so late in where it's on Hurley, it's just like, we've, we've seen this again. We've seen this time and time again. Has anything else happened to you? <laughs> Have well, you had any other experiences in life? Uh, well, yeah. that's kind of the problem with I think Rivers is I don't think any of this does happen to him. Yeah. I think the problem is he's just writing things from these stock ideas of what he thinks like a Weezer song is. I, like, in I, ways, he's holding on worse than a lot of fans. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even think it's him holding on. I just think it's him just like not wanting to tell personal stories sometimes. So it's I like, can't blame him. Yeah. I'd be interested to even like hear him write a song about his kids or something, or even like he has like what one or two about his wife, like uh, the one um, King of the World. Yeah, King of the World, kind of about her and it, basically him being if he could like basically keep her from any sort of harm is basically the idea of uh, King of the World. I believe he would. 
Yeah, it's not even that interesting of a song to be about. It's pretty good. It's a solid. It makes it. I think it's almost more solid to me that by virtue of the fact that it is about something and it is actually about his relationship with his wife. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, it it makes it go the extra mile for me. And then there's the opposite side, which is "Pardon Me," which I know every time I see it, I kind of think of the Incubus song, (laughs) and I wonder it's just like if that played into Rivers's process at all just if he thought like part of me is a really good name for a song and he didn't like incubus's part of me and he's like well i'm going to do it better this is like one of those um this is one of those make-believe songs where they were they did so many sessions and there were so many demos and i like i found a quote from like brian bell where they they were in like you know they were recording something and they were trying to figure out songs and they had kind of forgotten about this one I think Brian had it's like wait I remember this song and he went, ran out to his car because he had one of the CDs because he he claims that there was like seven to a hundred just CDs of different demos I'm sure like some of them had like one or two songs on them or oh yeah. yeah yeah I'm sure they were all unlabeled <laughs> you yeah. remember those it was a days? mess yeah and like he kind of pushed for this song and I think he kind of the reason why he pushed for this song is he thought it was meant something because it was Rivers feeling sorry about. I will say this about the song. This song at least feels like he is coming from a legitimate place. This is not some hypothetical, like, if I fucked up, this is what I would say. It feels like there's something to this. Now, granted, he does not let into what, and that's, you know, kind of his M.O., but at least this one, it feels like, oh, yeah, he feels like he fucked something up, and he is saying sorry to somebody, to someone. I think we've talked about this multiple times before with, with Make Believe, that I feel this is a sentiment that keeps on coming up on the album. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like it's not it's like feeling sorry or feeling guilt about something and trying to find a place of a uh, higher elevation mentally because and trying to let go of these things. Yeah, he's trying to move forward. Yeah. The problem with a lot of these songs is there's no specificity. We have said this too. There's no specificity to him. And it just seems like this general like feeling of being sorry sometimes. Yeah, but I this one I can let that go because he seems to be talking very personally and it's probably to some collaborator or the rest of the group themselves for whatever reason. I think I think I think he's being so sincere here. I don't think he has to let us in on everything. I mean he doesn't owe the rest do, of the stuff. I agree with you. I do feel there's a sincerity to it. And I, I kind of actually thought the same thing as you. It kind of felt like a song to the rest of the band. It may be that. It may be to, you know, some other collaborator. I don't know. Do you know who I think it might be about? Oh. Who? Matt Sharp. I think this song is about Matt Sharp. This is 100%. Oh, God. You know it could be. I mean, like... You know what this actually could theoretically be? Um, Mikey Welsh? Yeah, you know, it could. It could. I I bet there was a lot. Because had he he passed away by that point... I don't think he... He was still alive at this point. He, he was still alive, but there was probably still sorrow feelings. Though, from what I've understood, there was every good reason why he had to be ejected from the band. Under, yeah, understood, but I can see, you know, eject, kicking somebody out and feeling sorry about it. Yeah, I mean, feeling sorry, though, even though you have your reasons, but you know that person person's going through a personal crisis and going through some real hard hardships and feeling sorry for it. So I don't think I don't think he necessarily owes us an explanation on this because I do feel that it comes from somewhere. I mean, you listen to this song, and you know what? I hear this song, and there's one name I think of. Matt Sharp? No. 
Rick Rubin, who co-produced produced this song, and you can't tell, as always. You can't tell whenever Rick Rubin touches a Weezer Wait, song. Are you saying you think of this Rick Rubin when you hear this song, and that's the joke? Or you're saying that he, Rivers was apologizing to Rick Rubin already? <laughs> <laughs> Even though they're like so, they're like months into their, their like collaboration, and he's already feeling a sense of guilt? No, I just said it because it's a funny segue. There's just nothing that makes me think about Rick Rubin in the song. No. There's not what Weezer song that he worked with them on. Do you think sounds the most like a Rick Rubin song? None of them. Did he work on Troublemaker on the Red album? He did not. Okay, then never mind. Did he do Memories? Nope. No, he didn't. No, he was. There was no more collaboration after the Red album. Yeah, it's just. I was trying to think of Rick Rubin's sound. Cut most of this out. Um, you know, I found the quote from Brian Bell that helps your uh, theory or just helps not your theory but just your general general sentiment yeah which is brian says also it's a personal lyric but it's extremely universal because you know it's hard to say i'm sorry in any sense it's hard to admit fault and i just think it's a song for all guys that don't know how to express themselves so they can at least sing that lyric to whoever they harm their girlfriend or whatever he is trying to do the hey here's a song for this instance you know yeah i can't imagine playing somebody this song and them being like, great, thanks. I really appreciate <laughs> this. Wow, you've really made up for yourself now. <laughs> Though I will say, if you have a relationship with Rivers Cuomo, that seems about as much as he might do. Oh, my God. In this era, I'm sure like Rivers uses that function on the iPhone where you tap the thing and you can send somebody a song through Spotify. Yeah. I guarantee you he just does that for like everything. What's also really weird about the song is that this is the most blatant I think I've ever really seen Rivers pull a lyric from somewhere else without directly quoting it. Which lyric is that? Uh, he said, I tried my best. I gave my all. Sometimes my best wasn't good enough for you. Which sounds, to me, a lot like the beginning of James Ingram's Just Once. Okay. I tried my best, but I guess my best wasn't okay. good enough. Um, the song that famously plays over the credits of Last American Virgin while the guy's face is just completely heartbroken. Oh, that's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, the uh, closing credits, yeah. The yeah, closing yeah, credits, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's just so cruel to freeze frame on it and then play credits, but then to play that song. I mean, it's a, which is a fantastic R&B song, um, but it's weird that Rivers like just pulls the song and he's being pretty i think he's pretty being pretty blatant about it but without doing a direct quote yeah which is very odd for him i've not i can't think of other times where he's done this do you know what lyric from this song always stands out for me the most what it's the i know i can be the meanest person in the world lyric because it's blunt I, I don't even know i'm not even like criticizing it it's such a blunt l- l- lyric that it sticks with me uh, yeah, I think that's one of the more relatable lines to yeah. it. Because like, when you've done wrong, you feel that way because you, because your human instinct is just to start piling on yourself. Well, it sounds so simplistic but and blunt at first when you hear it, but I, I'm pretty sure Rivers was feeling that a lot around that time. It's a weird contrast to later in the song where he's going, there's no one else to blame for all the broken hearts are scattered on the field of war. It's like he's going blunt and then he's going like really like, I guess poetic is the word, yeah. except... This is not great poetry. <laughs> no, no. Well, I think that I've talked about he was getting really into uh, Fipassana around this time and getting into meditation. And I think that he was kind of coming to terms with a lot of his feelings. 
Yeah, <laughs> this is letting those go for sure. Yeah, and there's like the, there's pardon me, there's um, peace. I feel like also deals with this haunts you every day. I mean, I th- feel like deals with it a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. And I just feel like the, there's a recurring thing from this album. I don't think these songs are successful. I mean, obviously, we've talked about them enough here. Yeah, but definitely not. I will say I can kind of sometimes am able to scramble up like a, a through line with this album. Somewhat, yeah. Yeah. Not the strongest one. Not the I most mean, you're not going to find one. this on Beverly Hills. <laughs> you know what? You probably can when Rivers finally apologizes for it. <laughs> He's never going to apologize for Beverly Hills. Oh, I think he legit loves that song. Oh, yeah. It's a big enough hit. I think Rivers is like of the mind. If it was a big enough hit, it's a good song. Oh my God. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's part of his MO is if it is a, if it's enough of a hit, it's a good song and he feels justified for writing it. Yeah, you're right. Damn. It's so weird because he seems like the guy who doesn't care yet cares too much. He seems the guy who like tries to appreciate the art and craft of songwriting. But if it has that social proof, man, that just trumps all arguments. Well, he's obsessed with hits. You know what I'm saying? There was that point where he was just listening to hit music and breaking them down and keeping those diaries and those like those kind of like Excel spreadsheets of it. These songs are not on those. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to vote? Yeah. You know, I think when I almost came in here, I was almost probably going to vote for Pardon Me, but... After this discussion, I, I'm going to vote for Ruling Me. Uh, yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. It's like, Ruling Me, I mean, number one, I do not remember this song at all, yeah. having just listened to it. Um, this is like, yeah. Part uh, of me at least has something to it. Ruling Me has absolutely nothing that I can grasp onto. This is this is a time where this conversation actually changed my mind about what I was going to vote for. Wow. But yeah. Changing hearts and minds. The Weezer bracket. bracket. Okay. That means Ruling Me moves on. So week six, in the books, update your brackets at home because you have, we are all on drugs. Moving on to the next round. Congratulations. You have thought I knew. Moving on to the next round. Mm. You have hang on, hanging on to the next round. Andrew, what do we got next week? So next week we have Time Flies versus Eulogy for a Rock Band. Oh, man. We have Dope Nose versus The Other Way. We have Weekend Woman versus Heart Songs. (laughs) Okay. And we have Thank God for Girls versus Brave New World. Oh, Jesus, fuck. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a song in there. Before we started this bracket, would have been my was my least favorite song and the one I would push for. I don't want to spoil it. Possibly. There's some of our personal least favorites. There's one that's my personal least favorite. Having to do this bracket, there's some that have definitely come out even harder, but there, there was one before that I hated for years. There's a song next week that made me quit Weezer. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know it. Is it the same one that I'm thinking, probably? No, it's not. Okay. Follow us at Weezer Bracket. We are on iTunes, Google. What, I mean, you're listening. You should know how to subscribe. Um, give us, what is it? Is it five stars or five a stars. like? Or five stars. Say nice things about us to your friends and family. Please connect us with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yep. Stone Cold, we Um, miss you. Yeah, that's it. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Love you. Bye.
all the Weezer songs, we are claiming fair use uh, for purposes of discussion, and you should look back because there's a lot of discussion about these. So there you go. But the intro music is by Alvoro Kid, and we downloaded it from hooksounds.com, Creative Commons with attribution. So there you go. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and see you next week. Oh, I would also like to give a shout out to Spence Nicholson for helping us with the art. Yeah. Oh, he's real happy about that. And giving and letting us record in your house. Thank you, Spence. Thanks, Spence. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Love you. <laughs>